0: Welcome to BDO2GO, to casual industry conversation brought to you by the restaurant industry professionals at BDO. The constantly evolving landscape of the industry forces operators and owners to adapt quickly and maintain a keen awareness of consumer and economic shifts. Understanding these business impacts and insights is key to the continued success and resilience of the restaurant industry. That's why we crafted our new BDO2GO podcast series, a monthly podcast that you can take to go. Now here's your host, Jeff Tuba.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the BDO2Go Restaurant Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Tuba, and I appreciate you listening in to another round of discussions on the restaurant industry. You can find our episodes on iTunes and Spotify, and we encourage you to click the subscribe button to automatically download our episodes. We are welcome you to read our podcast, and we hope you're enjoying the content that we're bringing to you that you can take on the go with you. I don't know about all of you, but I love a good story, one that can inspire us to look at something differently, one that can give us a different perspective, or one that can just make us a better leader. On this podcast, we're bringing you the stories of two people who have changed the lives of so many people, and they're continuing to do so every day. Joining us today on the podcast are Joe DeLoss of Hot Chicken Takeover and Brandon Krastowski from Edwin's Restaurant and Edwin's Institute. A brief background on our guests. Uh, joe operates hot chicken takeover based in columbus ohio Uh, hot chicken takeover is a restaurant concept started in 2014 after joe got his first hint of nashville hot chicken uh, in the fall of 2013. they have five locations with more planned and on the way but for joe he would tell you he's in the people business but they happen to just serve great nashville style hot chicken the company describes itself as a fair chance employer giving opportunities to individuals no matter their circumstances, homelessness, previous incarceration, or other barriers to employment. They've been featured on Rachel Ray, Megan Kelly Show, and in other various restaurant and business publications in Columbus and nationally. Brandon operates Edwin's Restaurants and Edwin's Institute based in Cleveland, Ohio. Brandon grew up in the restaurant industry starting at age 16. He apprenticed at restaurants, spent some time in Europe, came back to work the restaurant scene in New York City, and then felt a calling back to Cleveland, Ohio to start Edwin's. Edwin's Institute is a 501c3 organization that he started in 2007, and he was inspired by his own story where he got a break from a judge when he was younger and just never looked back. Uh, Their mission is to help those returning home from being in prison, to learn culinary skills, give them career opportunities, all in the restaurant space. They're not only training individuals, but they've developed a multi-building campus with training facilities, a butcher shop, bakery, and living quarters for their students. He also operates two restaurants in the Cleveland area. They've been featured on CNN Heroes and recognized by the James Beard Foundation. All right, well, let's just get into the conversation. So Joe, can you walk us briefly through your background uh, before starting your current endeavor so that the listeners can understand your journey to get to the point where you started Hot Chicken Takeover?
2: Thanks, Jeff. Uh yeah, I, my adventure as an entrepreneur started really as an adolescent, and so I've probably since the fourth grade been finding ways to make money and um, through a series of you know snack concessions to construction workers in our new subdivision or uh, amateur magic shows, uh, I've done a little bit of everything, um, and then in my adult life, had the privilege of going to college um, in Columbus, Ohio at a little, little school called Capital University. Um, leverage that experience to do um, a brief stint as an investment bank analyst uh, before really trying to jump into entrepreneurship as uh, my full-time pursuit. And so uh, through a series of different kind of misadventures, uh, I landed in the fried chicken business that we'll talk about today. Uh, but the other kind of marriage that happened along the way for me is uh, a really just deep conviction of, of building strong teams with uh, uh, men and women that have just had a lot of adversity in their lives. And so for my last four or five business attempts, I've been trying to build work environments that are uh, inclusive of those who've been affected by criminal records um, or other kind of adverse conditions uh, associated with addiction or homelessness. And um, this particular business, which is will be the topic of our conversation today, Hot Chicken Takeover, is a uh, restaurant chain based here in the Midwest that um, uh, creates fair chance jobs and employment and sells delicious fried chicken and kind of a warm family reunion style vibe.
1: Um, and so, yeah, excited to be here and talk about it. Cool. Well, Braden, I'm going to switch the same question over to you. Can you give us just a high level of your background, uh, kind of leading up to when you started Edwards?
3: Absolutely. You know, it it, start, it started with an arrest. That's what, believe it or not, Jeff. Man, it started with getting bagged and, and sitting in front of a judge who um, who ended up giving me probation instead of instead of that that five to ten year time. And that, that's really where the story begins. Um, you know. Fortunate for a lot of reasons and took that opportunity really to the, to the next level. It wouldn't have been possible without a mentor. You know, I, I worked under a great chef in, in, in Detroit, uh, Chef George. He had like uh, sausage-like fingers. You know, I mean like a big chorizos. And he, uh, he taught me that wasn't practice that makes perfect, but perfect practice that makes perfect. And, and that, that led me to a career in culinary arts at the highest level from, from Charlie Trotter's in Chicago to uh, culinary school at the CIA in, in, in New York. And... Um, working at Michelin 3-star in Paris. It's, it's been a heck of a career. And, and then I settled in New York uh, to, um, to become the best chef in the world, right? Because that is the world. West of the Hudson River doesn't really count. And I, uh, I found myself in some of the steam establishments and then getting phone calls from back home in Detroit where uh, there were men and women being murdered or put in prison and, uh, and just didn't quite jive. And that led me to this idea of creating something called Edwin's, right? This, this restaurant and school helping people coming out of the, the criminal justice, injustice system, uh, however you, you look at that, that glass. But um, that's the high level, you know, just a lot, a lot of energy and a lot of trouble in, in the youth. Then took a lot of that energy and, and less of that trouble into the kitchens and just kind of turned the stars around to um, to eventually create this thing called Edwin's.
1: Yeah, we appreciate you being open with that. Just again, helping people understand where you came from uh, to help with that vision that we'll talk about here in a little bit. So, Joe, shift it back to you. You know, besides the quest for getting terrific hot chicken uh, to everyone you can, you know, what motivated you to start Hot Chicken Takeover, and what was that vision from the beginning?
2: Well, I definitely, definitely didn't know how to fry chicken. Uh, well, Brandon is definitely. Uh, uh, supremely more culinary than I, I um, was just looking at an opportunity to become an employer again. I had uh, some failed attempts in entrepreneurship before this, all, all with the same thread of fair chance hiring and uh, being a meaningful, positive employer in the community. And um, uh, my wife and I took a trip to Nashville, Tennessee, actually when we were expecting our first uh, daughter uh, to be born. And uh, we just drove down to Nashville to get away for a weekend, and um, kind of were eating our way through the city and um, experienced this hot chicken tradition at, at arguably the home of hot chicken, which is called Prince's Hot Chicken Shack. And um, really, just felt like there was nothing like it in our market. And so, as we were driving home, I was already conspiring to to go down this path and. Um, my wife was out running errands uh probably a week or so after that and asked if she needed me to ha- pick anything up. And I asked her to buy this kind of tabletop fryer from Bed Bath and Beyond. It was $80. And um I started Googling how to fry chicken. And so one thing led to another and um here we are. Um and and so I'm I'm learning a lot, of course, about uh being a restaurateur. And and doing that work, but um, kind of the broader the broader vision was really just about becoming a, a large positive employer. And um, they could be a, uh, a stepping stone for people as as they pursued their vision and ambitions in life. And as an employer, that that we could be a positive ally to folks and help remove some barriers along the way. Um, and so, yeah, that's, it was kind of the intersection of just having a spark of an idea. And, you know, back then when I, when I started this, I, I, I really absolutely didn't care about fried chicken. It wasn't the purpose or, or the pursuit, but it felt like a, a potential
1: vehicle. And, and
2: that's where it all began.
1: So you started your restaurant for $80, right? <laughs> your, uh, your, your, yeah. your culinary background was an $80 uh, purchase from Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs>
2: Uh, that's true. And then, you know, what followed was, uh, you know, maxing out every credit card I had, but it began with an $80 charge from Bed Bath & Beyond.
1: That's funny. Um, So Brandon, same question. You know, the motivation, you know, what motivated you to start Edwin's? You talked a little bit about it earlier, but maybe taking that a a step further for that initial vision and and just getting it off the ground.
3: Yeah, it it was the idea of just giving back, right? You know, I, I felt, I felt convicted that, that I need to do something greater with my life. You know, it's, it's something that I guess it comes from within, and not something that you read in a book or see on television. And just just felt that that calling, felt that itch. Um, I looked at seminary, which was not going to work, man. Um, you know, Joe's been to Nashville. I like the to honky tonk a little too much. It's, it's a good time down there. And so seminary wasn't going to work out. Uh, but I just wanted to find a greater calling and greater way to give back the uh, the, the breaks that I received, and, and it happened to be. With what I knew best, right? Restaurants and and so that was really the the, the you know the inspiration behind it is how, how can someone receive this very same second chance like Chef George gave me, right? Uh, with which was which was education to the top, right? And, and this idea uh, that hard work doesn't have a language, or um, you know the other concept that we really we really um you know base base our um, pillars on. Is this this thought process that that excellence is always employable, right? I never, I never felt like I was hard up for a job when I had these skills. I could always walk into any restaurant and and get that back. So I just really want to build that for others. And that was the inspiration. It it doesn't go much further than that. Uh, Jeff, I think you'll find out in this conversation. uh, I've peeled carrots for a long time. You know, I mean, it's a simple approach see see carrot, peel peel carrot. And, And that was it. But it felt, it came from within. And I can't, I, it's hard when you know you're talking to younger entrepreneurs or someone looking to get into this idea of social enterprise or a way to give back. And the best advice I can say is just know what's out there and, and then get the best skill you can. But you'll feel it inside yourself when you, when you, uh, when you get called.
1: Uh, so, Brandon, just one, one follow up question: How many students, on average, are at the institute at any given time? And then, how many employees in your restaurants actually came from the institute?
3: Got it. So it's, it's, I'm going to dice up to like four different answers. So the first part of it is, you know, we'll have between uh, 30 and, um, or 25 and, say, 50 students at any given time at Edwin's. Uh, the cohorts are staggered to begin every two months. So it's a six-month program, right? So every two months a class begins, um, while that class that began two months prior will switch sides because you see every position, dining room, and kitchen, and then you'll have another class that ends up, you know, graduating and finishing. So it's a flux, you know, really flux, but anywhere between 25 and 50 students you'll find there. Uh, in terms of employees, you know, we've got about 30 or so employees, and um, that includes managers, etc., and we're over a 60% graduate run. So when someone finishes the program, the next step is really to, to, uh, you know, get placed into a job after. And uh, we have a laundry list of people who are waiting to hire, which is a real, it's really a testament to the hard work that everyone's been doing. Uh, but if we have an opening at Edwins, our first look is always someone that's been a graduate of the program.
1: Yeah. Well, let's, uh, you know, that kind of feeds right into the next question I was going to ask. So we'll have you go first on this round. And, you know, talk about that process of helping your graduates get placed throughout the city. I mean, obviously, if there's a spot in your restaurant, you're going to take them in. Um, but if not, you're helping them get placed uh, throughout the city. Uh, how how does that work?
3: Well, it works. I mean, you got to backtrack. You know, the six months prior when someone begun, when, when someone began, um, and what happened when when someone begins in the first three weeks, we kind of do this this boot camp of sorts where everyone has, uh, you know, they're they're all getting these skills very quickly. So from surf safe to culinary math, gastronomy, and and you know any kind of like equipment ID class it takes to come into a restaurant and understand your bearings and be confident. So that's where the class begins, but alongside of that, everyone writes a life plan like where they want to be in the next say five years, right? And throughout the six months from that date, we work towards the next step of that life plan. Now that's not only career based, that's also, you know, family based or socially based. And so six months prior, we kind of have an idea where someone wants to go. Now there's, there's some twists and turns, someone might gravitate towards the dining room and they didn't think so or maybe you know, towards the kitchen when they didn't think so. But really we're just working with someone in their life and trying to get them to the best next step so that they can accomplish their goals. So it's not like job placement, square peg, round hole. It's you know month four of the program, you know, someone's eight weeks from graduation, we're then, we're then working with them and saying, okay, here's where you're at, where do you want to go, is it still consistent with the plan you've written? And now let's start looking at some some great options. Like I said, they're there. You know, right now there's two dozen jobs waiting to hire. Pre-COVID, there's probably 50 plus jobs. But there's also nationwide opportunities as well. And um, so it's really about someone's goal, not, not our expectation or what we want to, like, just jam them. Uh, So the process is pretty smooth, you know, actually it's pretty smooth because some will say I want, you know, northern Italian cuisine. And then we start working with the chefs that we know, you know, inner city, interstate or beyond. And then we find a good fit. And then from there, it's 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 on them.
1: That's fantastic. So, Joe, uh, let's talk about, you know, your interaction with your employees. I mean, you do more than just provide employment. You know, can you walk us through some of those other things uh, that you help your employees out with to help them get on their feet and maintain being on their feet
2: in terms of in terms of benefits, we definitely we definitely kind of break convention, um, but just to, to add on to, to what Brandon shared, you know the the reality of this work of what he's doing and what we're doing is also demonstrating just better, stronger outcomes than many folks in our industry. Um, and you'll often hear, you'll often hear other restaurant tours complain about turnover, training, no call, no shows. Um, and, and generally what we found is we try to be a really positive employer and um, the investments we make in the, the personal stability and satisfaction of our team are rewarded with a lot of professional returns of just a really reliable team. And so the, the foundation of that structure for us is um, really just starts with having a really positive co- work culture. Um, we talk about our culture as a dish tank culture, um, because regardless of who you are on our team, everybody starts by doing dishes, whether you're an externally hired executive or uh, a new crew member that, that's joined in. Um, and so the dish tank culture is a piece of that. Um, the other, what, what your question alluded to was our benefit system. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're employing men and women that are working at entry-level wage rates or, or, um, and building, building up their careers, uh, generally from the ground up, um, things like a 401k or long-term savings plans, just, uh, which are conventional benefits um, just don't align as much. And so though we have those longer term benefits, um, and what, what many people have, have come to expect from an employer, we also do things like match savings accounts, financial literacy training, banking access, um, housing support, uh, all benefits that will really improve the, the personal stability of our team. Um, and so those, those benefits cost money, um, of course, uh, but we, we see it turn, uh, return to us kind of tenfold in, in the, the productivity and the retention of our team. Um, we actually, Harvard Business School wrote a case on hot chicken takeover for this reason, because we're, we're seeing turnover um, rates two to three times better than the industry and um, a team that, that really enjoys work. And so the benefits are a piece, the culture is a piece. The, the last thing I'll mention is really that um, we have a very feedback developmental culture as well. And, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of organizations are tied to performance review once every year. Um, uh, I find it funny, most restaurants uh, will cite the same, that they'll give performance reviews every 12 months. But uh, keep in mind their turnover numbers are at 150% or higher. And so nobody makes it to 12 months. So you just don't have to do performance reviews. Um, we, on the other hand, uh, uh, are giving real-time feedback and coaching, but also every ninety days, somebody's giving a documented, detailed uh, performance review, both both based on their um, competency and specific positions on the job, um, but additionally on their on their contribution to the overall team and alignment with our values. And so um, that that's kind of how we make up our system. Those few pillars and really just try to be a best-in-class employer and um, uh, it feels like common sense but if you care for your team they'll care for your business and um, unfortunately most folks in our industry don't do that and it um, they pay the they pay the price for it
1: yeah i mean you can't be a good leader if you don't care about your people and the one comment you made you know if your training expenses tend to be really high for pretty much almost every restaurant and so if you can keep your people around for a longer period of time even these benefits you're offering cost you far less than that additional training cost would over a period of time.
2: Yeah, completely. I, I think it was maybe in 2019, Cornell did this this really long form study on the cost of turnover in, in our industry and in, in broadly in hospitality. And I think they, it was around like $5,500 per turn of hard cost associated with training, management hours, other things. And, and so when you, when you think if you're, you're turning at uh, 150, 200% a year, um, and you're, so you're looking at two to three bodies per position that you're trying to fill on your job and you start adding up that cost, uh, you better well start investing, uh, against that because, uh, yeah, the odds are against you and, and you're, you're probably wasting a lot of money that you're not quantifying for sure as, as an employer.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, Brandon, Joe mentioned, you know, obviously seeing lower turnover, uh, better performance from employees. I'm guessing you're seeing the same thing when you, when you take your graduates, place them in your restaurant. You should be seeing the same thing, correct?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it is the same thing. I think that there's, there's other, you know, vital signs that, that attest to that what we're doing works. You know, recidivism upon, upon graduation is less than 1% so nationally you recidivism of course is the, the rate at which someone returns back to prison but you'll see that in upwards of almost 50% in, in the nation so there, there's other you know there's other vital signs that really say this is working but i i think the um you know again the most impactful is just to see the ripple effect you know everyone says you know open more more restaurants right i, I always you know we we just opened once. like so i can't say it, we, we don't and then we have the butcher shop and bakery and such but the, um, the idea is to keep driving deeper because the ripple effect with each graduate is, is immense. You know, they may manage a restaurant or store, right? They may own. I mean, we have a couple of grads who now own a, a, a restaurant and, and they are, they're following the same hiring practices as we are. So it's just really that you know, how deep can we drive this, this idea of uh, education and, and leadership to someone who can then you know, pass that on and pass it on and so on and so forth. But yeah, we're we're not seeing high uh, attrition rates when, when someone's hired on. Nor are we seeing that in the industry when they go out to work. It's usually a longer tenure. Uh, I think part of that is the right fit. You know, sometimes you get. You know, I've, I've been there before. I mean, I've been in the wrong culture, so this isn't for me. Uh, I don't think I'm lazy. It's just sometimes not a good fit to get the most out of your your potential. But um, you know, we see people serious about this. Uh, it's also a testament to to saying you know we, we got a more powerful yes. That means, uh, you know, when someone's on that track of winning, right, you're, you're, you're achieving, you're, you're succeeding. We find that people are, are, are less likely to go down that road of temptation if the, the, the path they're on currently is more powerful. I call it the more powerful, yes. And that also is, is, is a game changer, too, because winning isn't always in the vocabulary of someone that uh, that that prison's kind of ripped away, right? It's, uh, it's a new feeling. It's, it's a damn good feeling.
1: Yeah. So if you ask most people in business, you know, what what what's the bottom line mean to you? A lot of them say, well, it's the net income, you know, I make from the business that year. Um, but just hearing you guys talk, bottom line means something completely different. Obviously, you need to make money to continue doing what you're doing. But Brandon, I'll start with you on this one. When, when I ask you, what's the bottom line mean for you and your business? How would you define that?
3: I mean, it's the bottom line. I mean, I think I think it is it is profit and loss too. I mean, you know, there's no there's no school that you get paid to go through if there's no business that's that's un, you know unsuccessful, right? So you you know we have to run it. We have to run a tight business, but it's it's an ecosystem, right? So the bottom line is, you know, we, we have to drive a profit. You know, we can't we can't depend on funds to run the restaurant. Now, we can depend on philanthropic funds to help fund an institute, right? A school. Um, you know we have one, two, we have four buildings for housing, uh, we have fitness center, library, we have a whole campus, right? I mean, there, there's things that require funds that are philanthropically driven, but the businesses have to achieve, and and that's an important you know rule or important game changer because there is repercussions if you don't do things the right way, and I think a lot of people in um, even even in like College Institute of America where I attended. The repercussions if you screw something up weren't too high, right? Because you know, you're, you're, you're it's panic, you know, with tuitions and everything else that's going on there. Uh, we we got to make a dollar. And if we don't make a dollar, we don't have a school. So it teaches you that that, that business mind. So our bottom line is a bottom line. It's it's also obviously the, the you know the social good that that's going on um, with employment, with, uh, with with the training with our expansion on Buckeye, you know, like I said, we've got the number of buildings over here trying to just, you know, be a seed a little kernel in the neighborhood to, um, you know, demonstrate, Hey, this is, this is where we want to be and and be it's possible to to turn a corner. So there's, there's certainly that, that bottom line. Um, But at the end of the day, we're we're talking human beings here. And I think that's, you know, I, I, I'm certain Joe agrees with this, but it's just, it's a, it's a, it's the heart of a child behind everyone. And, uh, you know, Maybe we're big kids or old kids, but uh, we're still human and, and, and making sure that person is achieving who they believe they can become, who, who they've been given the gifts to do is really the, really the bottom line.
1: Yeah. Well, Joe, he's kind of transitioned it over to you there. You know, I guess when, when we talk about bottom line, obviously, like he said, you know, got to make a profit to do what we're doing, um, but there's also other aspects to it. How, how would you define that? <clears throat>
2: Yeah, we're we're a, a for-profit business with for-profit investors, and and so um, net income is important. You know, and for for my visit vision and my interest in the business, I, I really see positive net income as uh, it affords me the privilege to to build the teams I want to build and and be part of that community. And um, you know, I I, I also think um, particularly if you've been somebody that is has been affected by incarceration has been affected by addiction homelessness you know name one of these adverse symptoms of of poverty or a community there there is a lot of charity out there that'll support you Um, and there's a lot of lines you can wait in to get fed to get housed etc i don't believe any of those solutions um, afford an individual the same opportunity for dignity and pride that um, a place like Hot Chicken takeover Edwins um, does for uh, a person, and so when you 're an employer that uh, provides an opportunity for somebody to really take their future back into their own own grip um, and and move ahead in a meaningful way to realize their visions to provide for the family. Uh, to make amends in some instances uh, for for choices they made in the past, um, you you build a really loyal and, and really exciting team. And so, for me, you know, for me personally, being part of that community of people is is a, a really tremendous bottom line. As as somebody who's made tons of bad decisions and tons of mistakes, you know, the reality is I get to be part of a community of people that um, believe in like equity and truth and, and positive future stories for themselves and that's a huge gift and privilege. Um, and so yeah, that, that's my personal bottom line and um, I'm afforded the opportunity to pursue that because I, I, I equally care about net income and, and driving a future for our brand uh, that can scale.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to end with a little uh, shameless marketing plug from you both. So Joe, we'll start with you. Uh, You know, you're obviously opening up up in new markets in Ohio right now, obviously future expansion coming probably outside of Ohio down the road. Um, But for people who live in these markets that haven't been to hot chicken takeover or people who are maybe traveling into Ohio um, where you have a location, you know, Joe, what's your pitch? Why why should people come and choose hot chicken takeover if they're going to go out for a meal?
2: I'd love people to come to our restaurants because they like, uh, food and hospitality. And, and that's what we try to execute best on. Um, uh, though, though our story is unique and it, it breaks some convention and gets us some media headlines. We'd always rather sell a positive experience than a sympathetic or pathetic one. Uh, so I want people to come to enjoy chicken and, and hospitality and, all of those things. And, and if you're outside of, of the places we're growing in, here in Ohio, you know, I'd love um, for people to, to to continue to seek us out and, and keep watch on us because we want to be, you know, we want to continue to be a breakout brand that can scale through the region and, and
1: perhaps the country. Great. Brandon, how can people around the country support what you're doing?
3: I would say, I mean, Come and eat, right? I mean that's that's number one first and foremost. If you're if you're in Cleveland or you make it your destination. Um, you know, Jeff, we got this map of the United States and we actually had to get one of the world too, where people would travel from across um, you know, someone came from like Juneau, Alaska. They come from El Paso, they come from all over the country and, and, and visit just to, to try this place because of, of what they've heard. And you gotta check it out, man. You gotta you know, seeing is believing. and and it's um you know, I would say hands down, the best French restaurant here in the Midwest, and, and it, it, it hits hard You know, for everything. It feeds the soul with the other type of food and, and, and the ambiance, and it, it just so happens to have a great mission behind it as well. And if you get out here and check it out, you'll, you, you'll, I think you'll agree, or you'll maybe change the way you step in life and what you support or who you support or even how you run your business, right? That would be first and foremost. And then, you know, there's others who say, hey, I can't make it out there, right? I'm in, I'm in Colorado, there's no time, but, you know, we want to support. I mean, there's a number of ways to do it. I mean, you can, you can get online, you can, you know, you can shop, you know, you can shop online at one of our stores online, uh, you know, the website at onesrestaurant.org. Uh, you can certainly drop a check in the mail, like that's super easy, right? Super easy and super effective. It's going towards someone's education. Uh, that's something to be proud of. Uh, you know and, and also if you really want to like like the highest level here i'm sure there's some religion somewhere's got a term for this but the, the highest level of, of really supporting what we do is you know have us come out and, and consult for the business that you have to help bring it closer to a mission-based uh, culture a mission-based business because you know this isn't impossible what, what joe and i are doing is not impossible like Jeff, you're talking to two humans. So, you know, we're not robots. We're not aliens. We're not like from some place that doesn't exist. We're real humans, like this is really possible. And there's like some like certain pillars that you put in place to really make your business more uh, socially mindful. And and when you inject that perspective, it just it just spreads and spreads, and all these bottom lines you talk about increase. And that's kind of like the the highest level of how you can support what we do. You know, call us out to help out. And 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 convert a business or help alter the culture, because that's what's going to make this thing work in the end. You know, the idea is a change of face reentry, and it's not going to happen in one lifetime or in one restaurant or one city. This thing's got to grow, man. It's got to grow, and but it's got to grow with the right the right people and the right leaders, and then then it's sustainable.
1: Yep. Well, I encourage everybody who's listening, uh, hop online, search Hot Chicken Takeover, Edwin's Restaurant, Edwin's Institute. Check out what these guys are doing follow them on social media. Uh, again, if you're in the market, come eat. Uh, if you're not again you know supporting the, the nonprofit um, that Brandon's got going would be would be terrific. So thank you both for being here and sharing your inspiring stories. Uh, you know you're changing lives and inspiring a lot of people uh, also putting out a tremendous product for people to come and actually consume. so we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to share your stories. Join us next time. We'll continue to bring stories of great people in the restaurant industry uh, to everyone who's listening. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff.
0: Thank you for listening to BDO2Go. To Past episodes and related insights are available at BDO.com slash BDO2Go. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, share, or subscribe to this podcast. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's restaurant industry practice and the resources we provide, visit www.bdo.com restaurants.